A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Those who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. The Gospel of the Lord. Last Sunday, we began reading Jesus' farewell speech to his disciples at the Last Supper. Do not let your hearts be troubled, he began, because, of course, their hearts were troubled. They struggled to come to grips with what it would be like when Jesus was gone. Today's gospel continues. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Although Jesus is going to leave them, he's not going to leave them orphans. Perhaps better said, he's going to leave them in one way, and remain with them in another way. His departure through death is not loss. It is a different form of presence. Rachel Held Evans sees something else in Jesus' promise to not leave us orphaned. This is a fitting and profound way, she wrote, for Jesus to introduce the Holy Spirit as comforter, intercessor, advocate, because it stands in the context of vast biblical testimony regarding the importance of defending orphans and widows. In Jesus' culture, and indeed in many cultures today, the fatherless were especially vulnerable to poverty, exploitation, and injustice. They were often left without an advocate in the courts or a protector to guard them against hunger, slavery, and trafficking. Throughout Scripture, God shows special concern for orphans and instructs God's people to protect them. In the letter of James, true religion is defined as caring for orphans and widows in their distress. From the perspective of the prophets, few things stir God's righteous anger more than neglect of vulnerable children, as Isaiah's call to repentance reflects, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. 
So when Jesus tells his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you, and then promises the advocate and comforter, he is both acknowledging their impending vulnerability and reminding them that they are not alone. Indeed, just as Jesus predicted, the world didn't recognize the spirit of truth and instead of protecting the disciples, persecuted them. Rachel wonders if in those dark days spent in hiding, the disciples held each other close and whispered to one another, Remember, we're not orphans. We are not alone. When bad things happen, and they will, we can be confident that God is present, even in our most difficult moments. Bishop Daniel Flores of Brownsville, Texas, offers a wonderful image of what this shared faith looks like. He learned it from his grandmother. My grandmother, Bishop Flores said, used to rise early in the morning and pray several rosaries. And when I would ask her what she prayed for, she would tell me that she prayed for all her grandchildren, especially the ones far away. She said simply that she prayed that if ever they are in trouble, God would put a kind and generous soul in their path to help them. She was a realist, that is to say, she knew her grandchildren, my older cousins, were quite capable of finding all sorts of trouble. But she was a woman of faith and trusted to God that he would find ways to help them. Mostly, that meant he would put the right people in their path. The mirror image of that kind of perception, available to anyone with faith and a little imagination, is that we are also all potentially answers to some grandmother's prayer in some place far away. Indeed, the generosity God inspires in each of us today is God's answer to someone's prayer. Even in a wounded world, people find themselves crossing paths with someone who will not abandon them to disaster. The parable of the Good Samaritan is the scriptural model for this perspective of faith. Perhaps most famously in the tradition is the account of St. Francis and his encounter with the leper. Surely the leper prayed for a touch of human compassion. And surely God inspired something in Francis to respond in the way he did. But Francis also prayed to know Christ most intimately. And in the leper found Christ waiting. And one could imagine the father of the prodigal son praying the way my grandmother described, asking that someone be placed in his son's life to render him aid in the moment of need. It's doubtful that the older brother bothered to pray this way, as evidenced by the older brother's unwillingness to go in search of his younger brother. God's providence is visible every day, and we see it expressed in our care for one another. Love one another as I have loved you, Jesus commands us. So whenever we encounter a generous human heart, we instinctively recognize the source of that grace, the gift of God. Grace 
is everywhere for those who have eyes to see. And the wonderful thing about faith is that God does not have grandchildren. Each one of us are invited to live now within the circle of God's love.